0: The idea of job security is outdated as a landline. If you haven't been in a search for a while, it's probable you will at some point, by choice or not. Most executives admit to staying way too long or sense what's coming and justify staying anyway. Here, there's another reason. The faulty belief that navigating to what's next will inevitably be worse and has to suck. Screw that. Lauren Greif has spent a lifetime in corporate and executive search, calling bullshit on stale career advice that most still use. This is Career Blast in a Half, the career podcast for executives ready to cut past outdated career advice to fuel your outcomes now. So let's go.
1: This is episode 11, double ones and I actually have a number one guy here today, and I'm like super pumped about this episode. We're calling this episode Five Whys, and these are the five whys you need to ask yourself before making that leap from corporate to entrepreneurship. Today's guest is literally born out of the womb entrepreneur. I know very few people that like arrive in the world like this, But unlike many of us, myself included, this has been his through line for his career since day one. He's going to talk more about that. And he also is the guy to go to if you are thinking about leaving corporate or you've already made that decision so that he can help you get to where you want to go and also vet whether or not you have the secret sauce for entrepreneurship, just so that you don't make that move without some clarity and also some cushion. Rashab Kumdar, thank you so much for being here. i huge fan, huge fan of your content. And since we've gotten to know each other over a long period of time, just a huge fan of yours. Thanks for coming.
2: Wow, Lauren, thank you for that warm introduction. And I'm so happy to be here speaking with you is I know all the good that you've been doing for so many people and I'm just thrilled to see that you're doing this now on this level. So thank you for having me here.
1: Of course. So explain to our listeners today what I was talking about when I said like you arrived on the planet, like with the entrepreneur stamp on your forehead.
2: Yeah, no, that's a great question. I'm one of those and maybe you've heard of those people that are born with everyone in the family who is an entrepreneur. And so, my grandparents on both sides are entrepreneurs. My father, an entrepreneur as well. And so, I was raised in a family just seeing how that world is and understanding the amazing things of that world and the challenges of that world. So, that's basically been my upbringing. Quick, short little anecdote is that I remember my father would be Having us read his contracts when we were ten years old, that just teach us uh, what a contract was and what's entailed in one, and so a little bit of an odd upbringing, but made it hit home on being uh, born out of the womb into this world.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Here, son, you know, could you bring out the red line? <laughs> like, <laughs> could you please see if we've covered our butt in this area? I love it so much. That's amazing. So. I'm going to just throw this your way. Maybe I won't throw it, but maybe I'll like give you a softball. I hear this all the time because I primarily work with people who want to move within the corporate world. And often, sometimes a lot, they're like, you know what? I'm out. I don't want to do this anymore. And I think I'm going to start my own consulting practice. Or they say, I'm going to start a business. And so I have to hold my tongue on many levels because sometimes I think, because this is kind of, you know, it was partially in the back of my mind, ooh, this is a perfect exit strategy to abate and avoid some of the challenges that happen in the marketplace itself. So what I'd love you to talk about is What do you do when those people come to you and say, okay, like, I want to do this. Like, I think, like, I'm just going to start a business as if it's a turnkey idea.
2: No, it's a very, very powerful question, Lauren. Before I answer that question, I think what's something that's important for every listener to understand is anything in life, anything in life, the grass is not always greener on the other side. I mean, people will say, oh, I wish I could win the Powerball or the Mega Millions. And there are countless stories of winners who have had nothing but tragedy after striking rich, right? So the point that I'm trying to make is it's very easy for us to fall into the assumption that I'm going to do something. And it's great to have the positive thought that I'm going to do something and I'm going to have a great time where I'm going to succeed in it but positivity has to have some form of realism and practicality. To answer your question, if someone were or when someone does approach me and says, I'm thinking of leaving my full-time job where I have a steady income and I'm looking to dive into whether it's consulting or some form of entrepreneurship. The first question I always have is, have you ever been an entrepreneur Or have you had any family members that was an entrepreneur and that you saw that lifestyle real time? And the reason why is because those that have been entrepreneurs or those that have been part of entrepreneurial families understand why that question is so relevant and so powerful. And that's having that look behind the magnifying glass, right? Or under the microscope to really understand what entrepreneurship is. And the reason that question also is needed is because there's so much noise out there right now that glorifies entrepreneurship, but never really speaks to the lifestyle and the challenges and possible struggles of what that may be.
1: So that's the first question I ask. Okay. So I love this, right? Because what you're also saying is, in no uncertain terms, like, do you know what you're signing up for? Like, are you just... Like pulling this out of your butt? Or do you really have some clarity on what this means? Because I agree with you a hundred percent. It sounds like it's like the easier, softer way. It's just like, oh, well, I'll just go do that, right? And so let's get into the five whys that happen. Let's just say that this person has cleared the hurdle, right? Oh, yeah, I've seen this person. I know somebody in my family who's an entrepreneur and you know, I'm good with whatever that secret sauces right i'm good with that lifestyle now how do you go through these and vet even deeper what's the first one
2: correct so what the five wise that you're mentioning is the five questions that i actually put in front of anybody that's interested in diving into entrepreneurship and specifically those that are coming from the corporate environment and once you hear the five whys, you'll understand why I'm talking about those that come from the corporate environment. As you said, once they go through that that vetting of do they understand what entrepreneurship is, the first why is really getting to the core of or the motivation behind why do you want to start your own business? And a lot of times, the easy answer is I want freedom. I want to be my own boss. I want to have autonomy. I want to make a lot of money. But those are just outcomes. And you can find those outcomes even working in corporate, right? If you get the right job and the the right company and the right negotiation for that lifestyle. So what is the actual motivation and purpose behind why you want to start your business? Okay, That's a... Sorry, go ahead.
1: I just want to like... Sorry, I, I know I interrupted. No, 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 please, please. Yeah. I want to like... So what could be considered like ooh, this is a sage and solid good reason. And then conversely, what could be a red flag saying, "Mm, not necessarily a proper or advantageous motivation?
2: Yeah, I'll start with the red flags. If you're doing it for money, wrong reason. If you're doing it for notoriety, wrong reason. If you're doing it because it looks cool or sounds cool, wrong reasons, right? usually those are the the top three that you'll hear, the right reasons really come down to there is a need that you have noticed. There is a skill set or talent that you have that can help you solve that need. I don't want to say you have a skill set to solve the need, but the skill set to help you get to a solution to solve that need. And that the need you're solving is something that essentially is helpful. Now, I get it. There are a lot of products out there in this world that maybe isn't necessarily helpful, but there's successful businesses behind those. But in the reality of demand and supply, demand being that what customers want, it's important to understand that, okay, if there is a demand, and if there are products or services out there that don't meet that demand, and now you recognize that, listen, this is something that I know can help. That is a great motivation or reason why. And a lot of people have the entrepreneurial itch and the entrepreneurial bug inside of them. And it's okay for anybody to go through various iterations of starting a company, maybe it didn't work out, but you come but you pick yourself back up and try again. So I don't want anyone to ever say, well, you have to be an entrepreneur, but you need to know what you've always known with inside of you what you wanted to put out there into the world. That's not true. Because so many entrepreneurs, they've done a business and then they've done a second one and a third one. And so that you can't just say there's one business and one solution that you have to live and breathe and that it speaks to your core. The real meaning of this question when we talk about purpose is understanding that you have a idea and you have the grit and the skills to bridge that gap and put this idea out there that is going to meet a need. And when you know that you can meet a need, that's when you realize that there's a purpose and motivation behind what you're offering.
1: Awesome, yes. This is something that I very personally can relate to because it was the need and to that need was the problem that was without being hyperbolic and truly being like as truthful as I can be, it was keeping me up at night. It was nagging and loud. <laughs> and that's, and it got to the point where I was like, okay, I get it. Like, I got to do something. The second question is like a question to yourself. Like, do you ask these to yourself?
2: Right. So, these questions, these whys, are what I would have uh, whoever ambitious entrepreneur that I'm speaking with, I would have them go through this on their own. Right, and then there's a discussion after where they may have questions similar to yours. So, this, if you'd like, I can hop onto the second why. Please. This one is asking why do I believe entrepreneurship is the right path for me, and it's different than the first question in that the first question is talking about your motivation to enter entrepreneurship, and the second question is, is entrepreneurship even the right avenue? And what that makes the person that's asking this question do is look within their skill set, in their personality, the lifestyle that they currently lead. And the reason why I bring up a couple of those points is because if we talk personality, if you are a very risk averse person, if you are someone that has a very difficult time recognizing that if I don't get my paycheck every two weeks, I'm going to have an anxiety or panic attack, then entrepreneurship may not be the right path. If you're someone that has amazing skills, but they don't necessarily translate into being your own boss, it may not be the right path. And then we talk about lifestyle, right? Entrepreneurship, yes, you can make your own hours, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're cutting your hours from a nine to five. And that's an important distinction right? You know, I think there's that deceiving noise out there that says, hey, we get to make our own hours. Yeah. What that basically means is I make golfing in the middle of the day, but guess what? At 9 PM, I'm back in front of my desk till midnight, finishing up what I didn't finish before. And that's the difference. So it's important to understand, and there's a lot more that goes into the lifestyle of entrepreneurship, but this is the core of this question. Why believe entrepreneurship is the right path.
1: I want to talk about this because one of the things that I think doesn't necessarily rise to the surface is the need for both being a good networker and also the skill set of sales. And I think that people leave corporate, maybe it's in their job search because they're confused or struggling with the idea about how to sell themselves. And so they think, oh, it'll be so much easier when I'm an entrepreneur and or I hate networking. So I'm just going to go start my own business so that I can kind of hunker down in my office and I don't necessarily have to go through that process of cold connections or anything like that. So help us understand where those two areas, skills and or I guess you could call it adjacencies to being an entrepreneur live in terms of their level of priority and value?
2: It's a great question. And the two areas that you talked specifically about, which was networking and sales, those are extremely difficult for a lot of people. It takes them out of their comfort zone. This second question, the second why, why do I believe entrepreneurship is the right path for me? I mentioned that it's one of those questions that would have the would have the, ent- the ambitious entrepreneur look into their personality. And when you look at your personality, if you're very introverted or if you fear rejection, networking and sales is going to be very difficult for you. Those it's not to say that you cannot overcome that. Right? That's an important thing to put out there. So the point of this question to ask yourself is okay, maybe I don't want to face rejection when I'm trying to make a sale or that I don't want to necessarily have these cold interactions and network, it may cause the person to think to themselves, let me take a moment and let me build on these skill sets before I take a dive into entrepreneurship. Otherwise, if you dive into it and then when you recognize that, okay, I have to now network, and now you start having a panic attack because of that, or that you recognize I have to try to make sales and the moment someone gives you a negative feedback whether it's an online negative feedback or negative feedback to your face or someone wants a refund, you know, these are all forms of rejections and sit in the sales cycle. There are some that people who cannot handle that emotionally. And so to your point, Lauren, those two are absolutely necessary in the business world. And it's very important for anybody that's diving into this space to really, really recognize that this is something that I understand is part of the journey and the process. I will work on building those skills. I will work on overcoming my rejections from sales. I will work on becoming a better networker. And that way the transition into entrepreneurship will be that much easier.
1: Yes. I really have to say and I don't believe that either one of those skills and or building those skills is avoidable in entrepreneurship. It would be hard to be a successful entrepreneur without having some level of either one of them, from my experience. And so get your practice out now. Like keep doing what you're doing. If you're building a network, it will not go to waste. I promise you, it will never go unrecognized or unnoticed because that skill set is something that can always be improved and refined. So whether you're staying or whether you're going, keep doing it, all right? Number three. Why would I leave a steady income for uncertainty? Talk about that.
2: Powerful question. I'll give you a quick anecdote. When I did my MBA and I first entered the program, I'm meeting a bunch of other ambitious professionals. Some of them were entrepreneurs. Many of them were corporate professionals. And in a conversation, I remember one of my classmates asked me what I do. And when I said that I was an entrepreneur, that individual said that their family, their father is an entrepreneur, so they came from an entrepreneurial family. And I asked, why did you choose corporate versus being an entrepreneur since you have experience with that side of the world? And I remember the answer dead looking at me in the eyes. And that individual said, if I don't get a steady paycheck every two weeks, I will have A panic attack. This is exactly word for word. This is what the person said. I don't have the personality or the risk appetite to be an entrepreneur. And, you know, it was powerful for me to hear because I remember when business goes bad and being an entrepreneur, you have good times and bad times. It's always the case. I think anyone that's listening to this podcast should really take heed to that. And I remember when sometimes there was, you know, six months, nine months where business wasn't going well when I was growing up. And I would hear my father say, yeah, you know, we're not having a good time right now. But then all of a sudden you get nine months of amazing business. And that roller coaster ebb and flow is something that anybody that is thinking of entrepreneurship should really ask themselves, one, do I have six to nine months worth of living expenses? On top of that, do I have some spare capital, some spare money that I can actually put in the business? Right? You have savings to live. That's your rent or your mortgage and food on the table. But you also need money that has to go in the business. And if you're starting a business, you may not have revenue for the first three, six, nine months, even a year. And that's acceptable in the entrepreneurial world. So are you willing to leave your steady income for uncertainty? And I will add one more thing here, Lauren. I do advise anybody that doesn't have those savings, that doesn't have six to nine months of money. That maybe you don't leave your nine to five and you start your entrepreneurial journey as a side business. I know it's not always the best advice because I'm a believer that if you're doing entrepreneurship, you should be 100% in so nothing distracts you. But it's not to say that you cannot start something on the side and at least you are working, you're getting a steady paycheck, and you're recognizing whether this is something you want to do or not, rather than just leaving it, diving in headfirst and not knowing how
1: deep or shallow that water is. I love that. I love that. And I also want to introduce this idea that, honestly, I really did not see this coming. But in those low periods, right because it's going to ebb and flow, like exactly like you said, there's an inherent roller coaster in being an entrepreneur. It kind of is embedded in the job description that you can't see. But what I also want to present is that during those down times, that's when your spiritual game really, really comes into play. And this has happened to me. I'm sure it's happened to you. And so this may not be something that is obvious on the surface, but if you are prone to scarcity mindset or you're in a situation where you can like really like get into that catastrophic thinking, like check yourself because it can knock you off your square. One minute be feeling like, ooh, everything's great. And then all of a sudden, you know, somebody does something or I don't know, there's a tech crisis or like I once called you on a tech crisis and I'm like, I hate this. You know, I mean, like you got to be able to hold it together and in your mindset in the spiritual game is no effing joke.
2: You know, the finances is something that I think any corporate professional understands the importance of because when we talk about corporate professionals interviewing for jobs, they are necessarily talking about their value to a company. They're negotiating a salary, right? And so when you're talking about your value and negotiating a salary, a lot of times what I've seen is corporate professionals equate their value to their income. And so now when you're in a corporate and when you're in an entrepreneurial environment and that income is not coming in, it's easy for the psychological aspect to come into play and you start devaluing yourself unintentionally. Because you're not getting compensated. You're putting all this work in, but that equal compensation is not there for at least some period of time. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is why people should call you.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's I'm here it, Because you know that this is not some anomaly. This is part of what you sign up for, knowingly or unknowingly. Absolutely. Number four, why am I willing to take the risks associated with entrepreneurship?
2: Yeah, very powerful question. All of these are, so I think I've said that it's powerful on each one of them. <laughs> but on this specific one, we've already talked a little about the financial element, and there's a financial risk to this. But there's an emotional risk, right? I talked about it a little bit at the tail end of the last question, but you may feel like you're devaluing yourself. On the emotional side, you may, have start, you may start getting limiting beliefs within yourself as you go through the journey. Sometimes you think you're not good enough. Sometimes you think you're not productive enough or that you don't have what it takes or that you've chosen the wrong path or that you are very far behind others that have started maybe around the same time as you have or that you just see someone that's successful and you have no idea what it took them to get there. But the human mind automatically says, well, how come I'm not as successful as that person? And all of these limiting beliefs come into play. And so there are many inherent risks when you're talking about entrepreneurship. There's obviously the financial element, right? But there's also the risks of jeopardizing a promising career. There are risks of entering into something and a year goes by and that's a year of your life and you recognize, I never wanted to do this in the first place. Why did I get into this? So when you have, and that's the time risks that I would talk about, right? So you have financial risks, you have emotional risks, you have time risks, and even there's liability risks. You have a business, someone buys your product, or you may have a service, and somehow something happens, whatever that may be, and maybe you get sued. It's another risk that you're taking. And the chances of being sued in your corporate environment, outside of you maybe possibly doing some financial fraud within your company, is very low. But when you're in an in entrepreneurial environment, you have to stand by your product, you have to stand by your service, and sometimes you have to answer if something adverse happens. So sitting there and understanding, am I willing to take the risks associated with these? And again, mainly it's those financial, emotional, and time risks, but there are some of those ancillary risks that come into play. It's important to just say, who am I as a person? Can I weather the storm? And maybe even ask yourself, have I ever been in a scenario where things were very stressful and that I was able to overcome that? And if you have been in er- times and scenarios that are risky and you were able to overcome it, then maybe you'll be okay with the risk associated with entrepreneurship.
1: So I want to, Rashad, I want to like kind of challenge you a little bit because isn't there a risk for not doing it too? Isn't oh, yeah. The risk this says like, if I... Don't do this. I'm going to turn around when I'm six feet under, and I'm going to have the regret that I never really put my idea, my service, my mission, my purpose, my entire legacy on the line. Isn't there that risk as well?
2: So it's a great question you ask because... I was gonna leave this for after we got through all the five questions, but after these five whys are asked, when my clients go through this, I always do a devil's advocate. I say now I want you to answer the opposite of these five whys. So, for example, the first one was
1: sorry, fast forwarded.
2: Oh no, 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 that's fine. It's because you know your mind was going where, and rightfully so, you being an experienced entrepreneur, you're thinking the way I'm thinking, right? And so. It's if you think about the first why, which is why do I want to start my own business? You know, sometimes you want to play devil's advocate and say, well, why do I not want to start my own business, right? And if you do the opposite of these questions, you start getting this pros and cons list, right? Why do I believe entrepreneurship is the right path for me? Well, why do I not believe it's the right path for me? Why would I leave a steady income for uncertainty? Well, why would I not leave? You know, why wouldn't I do? You know, how
1: about myself.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that goes to this last one, which is why am I willing to take the risk associated with entrepreneurship? Well, what are the risks that you, if you didn't take, if you didn't go towards entrepreneurship? And so when you do this opposite way of looking at some of these questions also, it also gives you, again, more data and more answers because I don't want these whys to deter someone into entrepreneurship. And that's why I do both sides of it. I don't want it to seem it's a negative exercise. I wanted to really get down to the practicality so we can look at both sides
1: well, also so that you can, you know, in the cliche of the business world, set that person up for success, but it's true, right? Like the last question, number five, why do I think my business idea will succeed? Talk to us about that. That's pretty that's like I could just feel all the visionary like questions and and kind of manifestation going on here. So talk to us about the value of this question and what you look for.
2: Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of people who have business ideas. I think many of us do, but it's easy for us to be biased that it's the best idea in the world. (laughs) And sometimes, maybe many times, there is not a need for that idea. There's not a demand for that idea. Or that there are other products out there or services out there that may have more impact than you know the idea that you're having. And so it's important for anybody to approach this question, really, really understanding is there viability? Is there a market demand? Do I understand my competitive landscapes are? Am I speaking to my customers, my ideal customer profile? And am I talking to them and seeing if this is something they will use? Yeah, I'll give you a very quick story, which is you and I both are on LinkedIn quite a bit. And we basically put out content every day. And we are aware of what now I would call certain LinkedIn influencers, if you will. Those that are having a massive following, you know, 50,000, 100,000, 200,000 followers. Well, a couple of days ago, there's one person, I'm sure you follow this individual, who put out a a video promoting to their 100,000 plus followers of a a digital product. And that's fine. That's the right strategy, right? You have a big audience, they're bought in, they engage, and they're promoting this. And what was interesting was when they announced this, all their followers were talking, amazing, this is going to be so great. And that individual would ask in each comment, would you like a coupon code? For this product. And you'll be surprised the number of people that said, I'll pass this time, but thanks for offering. And so these are rabid followers, people who are spending their every day, at least five, 10 minutes of their time on this one single person's content. And this product, which was actually very affordable, and people were passing on it. And so what that tells you is that if you were in that person's shoes, the influencer, if you will, it's easy to think I have over 100,000 people who are very into what I am talking about. And it's easy to think that now, if I put a product out there, I'm going to have quite a bit of buyers. But it's not always the case. So it's important for you to go through an exercise asking, well, why would someone want to buy it? And the reason why that's important is it starts giving you answers on your differentiator. It starts giving you answers on what is the outcome it could possibly provide to someone. It starts make pushing you to actually go out and do the research and speaking to customers and speaking to competitors, or even speaking to other entrepreneurs and getting their viewpoints. Right? It gets you into what I call action mode. You are now taking what is a concept and you are trying to flush it out and seeing if this is something that has legs.
1: And that's the point of this question. Okay. So now we've gone through the five and you're playing devil's advocate. And so, you know, I'm happy to do a role play just so that we could hear it. Like I kind of want (laughs) to (laughs) pretend. I do. I want to, I want to see what happens because there's a lot riding on this on both sides, you know, whether it's the dream, whether it's the vision Or whether it's an exit strategy out of corporate, or whether it's, you know, in many cases, maybe it's just, you know, the best viable option at the time. So what now we're playing devil's advocate. And I come to you and I say, you know what? I really think Rashab, you know, I think I'm cut out for this. I'm willing to take the risks. I have this purpose and, you know, I'm all in, right? And then, What happens from there? I mean, what? how do I, like, I don't, there's not like an inauguration or anything. Ooh, now you're an entrepreneur. Like, how do you make that move?
2: And this is after you have asked yourself these questions, correct? After you've done this exercise, right? Did I lose you, Lauren?
1: Oh, that's exactly right. Like, I'm all in. I pass with flying colors. How do you take this into that next step and really, and really, like, Kind of embark on your journey, whether you've had family members before, whether you are just going it for the first time. How do you do this right out of this series of questions that you've asked yourself, moving from corporate to entrepreneurship in those first like 30, 60, 90 days? How do you do this so that you are setting yourself up for success?
2: Yeah. Very, very important. The next steps before I answer that question, there's one thing I do want to say, which is there are many entrepreneurs who have a a vision, a dream, and they just jump in. They don't necessarily go through these five whys. And there are many entrepreneurs that will say, those that have succeeded that will say, the best way to learn is by actually taking the first step and then learning along the way. And so that basically means that even the answers to these five questions will happen in the journey not before the journey. And so I wanted to just make sure i highlight that answering these five questions is a great exercise, but if you have a burning desire and you're just one of those individuals who have a personality that says, look, I'm just going to dive in, then by all means, make sure that if entrepreneurship, if that's something that's calling you, you do go ahead and take those steps. So I want to put that out
1: there. And I love permission to the cliff jumpers like myself.
2: Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of cliff jumpers and that's fine also, right? Yes. Now, basically, let's say exactly the scenario that you just said. You've gone through all these questions and now you're ready to take the next step. Well, I'm a big believer that the first step is always about the product or service. And what I mean by that is if you've already asked yourself these questions, you want to then understand and get very clear on what your idea and what what your product is and what it takes to actually build it whether it is a actual physical product or whether it is some type of service that you're offering like a professional service maybe it's a lawyer a coach a consultant any of those types of service based businesses and you really want to understand what it takes to build that and the reason why that's so important is because it's going to give you answers such as okay I may need to look out for some freelancers or hire some people or find vendors or third party service providers that can help me with whatever that that building is it's going to give you answers on okay what is it going to cost me to even build this product now right it's going to give you answers on okay this product that i'm creating who is going to buy it right so you start thinking about the customers then and so that's why that first step is getting that product or understanding what it takes to build that product now parallel to this i mentioned customers very important, right? You need to understand if there is a demand for this. Now, you've done some of those five whys and that's fine. But if you're, when you're taking the first steps, you're actually now speaking to potential people who may buy it. And that goes to what you talked about earlier in this session, Lauren, the networking, the sales process, the sales strategy, right? Even if you're not actually selling something that's still part of the sales funnel, of gauging interest, gauging demand, talking to potential customers, making sure that there is a pipeline out there, possibly of anyone that's interested. And so that those are the two hand-in-hand steps that come into play. There's a number of things you can do going forward, but you really want to lean into getting that product developed and making sure that you're listening to the potential customers that are out there and really understand that there is a demand for that. So that's how we start. And when you start those two, that gives legs to everything else. That gives legs to your marketing. That gives legs to your branding. That gives legs to the systems that you're creating within your operations to make things easier for you. That gives you legs on what you're going to price your product for. That's going to give you legs on the costs that are associated with running your business. And then you start evolving from there. So you know when we talk about building a house, there's a foundation. Well, those are the foundations. Fleshing out what it takes to build that product and making sure there's customers that want that product. That's the foundation. Everything's built off that.
1: So I say all should be revealed, right? Like this is the magic. Rashab, I'm gonna ask you the three signature questions that we ask on Career Blast and a half. I love these so much because it's like just enough to get to like hint around at some fun personal stuff. So what is the number one? book that you recommend for those who are making this step, leaving corporate to entrepreneurship as the recommended read?
2: I'm a big believer in grit. And that's the name of the book by Angela Lee Duckworth. And grit is a skill, fortunately. Whenever I say the word skill, it means it can be developed. Grit is a skill that needs to be developed. In order to succeed in anything we do, the short definition of grit is the ability to persevere for the long term. And so, what that means is, many people want a quick result; they want to be successful in three months or six months. But the reality is, that it could take someone three years or six years. And so, if you start allowing yourself to have that much rope and saying, "Okay, this could be a half a decade process here." and i'm going to do everything in my power to work towards that goal that's grit that's the perseverance that's the resilience and so and in that book she talks about the best way to develop grit grit is growth mindset it's continuously learning it's being open to receiving it's not thinking that you know everything it's not thinking that you're the only one that has the answers or that your experience is the end all be all but recognizing that you can learn from so many other people recognizing that others have walked on different paths and that those paths can be teaching moments for you and recognizing that you yourself can bring someone to coach you and teach you. And that's the importance of a growth mindset.
1: I love that so much. I literally have like all the gritty goose pimples going on right now. The next question is about reminders and a big like post-it nut case. So what post-it should anybody who is at this stage put near their desktop or, you know, by their bedside or in their medicine cabinet as a good reminder?
2: Wow, that's a good question. There are so many platitudes that we can lean into. The one that I tend to really lean into is that you are not alone. Because entrepreneurship can be a very lonely journey. But when I consistently tell myself and remind myself that you are not alone, there are so many people out there doing exactly what you're doing. And that actually has helped me foster a group of entrepreneurs that, including yourself, Lauren, that we lean onto. We get on calls once every few weeks. There's a group of entrepreneurs that we lean onto and that we can speak to once every few weeks and they reassure us or they help us with strategy or that they give us some type of guidance and advice and motivation, that is so important. So that post-it, that mental post-it, I would say, is you're not alone.
1: I needed to hear that too. And you have definitely been a demonstration of that for me because I've called you like many times being like, oh my God, and there you are. So the last question is, what's your walk-up song, Wushab? my walk-up
2: song. You know, you may laugh at this one. I don't know if it's a walk-up song more than a song that I lean into a lot. And it's Everyday Life by Coldplay.
1: I knew it was going to be a Coldplay song. I just...
2: You knew it's going to be a Coldplay song, but... I'll lead you. (laughs) When you listen to that song and you listen to the words, all of it is basically saying that we all are in this together and that Essentially, it takes a community, a village of support. And so that song maybe plays hand in hand with that mental post-it that you are not alone. So that's the one I'll lean into. Tough questions here.
1: (laughs) I mean, what do you expect? I learned from the master, you. (laughs) Listen, everyone, please go find Rishabh on LinkedIn. The link is going to be in the show notes below, but I want you to know this is a guy you should follow. Absorb his content, get to know him. He is the salt of the earth and he has become a really wonderful, reliable, trusted colleague of mine. And when you find great people, gosh, you just want them to stick around and then you also want to share them, which is why he's here on this episode today. I hope you guys had a blast. And Rashad, again, thank you for sharing everything that you have today. And thanks for leading the way on so many levels.
2: Lauren, thank you for having me. It was a complete pleasure. And I'm happy to help you and your listeners in any way I possibly
0: can.
1: Fantastic. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you for joining today. We appreciate your listening ears. Big time. We ask this. Use these tools. Not tomorrow. Right now. And share them by spreading the love. Leaving us a rating and subscribe so you don't miss the next Career Blast in a Half. Most of all, thank you for you.